Welcome to episode 21 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, how are you? Mm, I just said my name weird because my voice, my throat's all fucked up because I've been screaming all day. Oh. <laughs> You know what day it is, Tina? Happy Mother's Day! That's right. <laughs> the most wonderful day of the year. Yes. I fucking hate Mother's Day. And I love my mother. Like, I went over there this morning. I brought them donuts. Like, I went to stop by to say hello. Like, I love oh, you're my such mother. A good daughter. It's this, it's, I, Mother's Day has never been great for me. I don't know why. It's so bizarre. I think it's, I have an expectation in my head. And really what I would like to do on Mother's Day is like really just do nothing and like yes. be left alone and like not have to do the, the duties that we as mothers always have to do yes. anyway. That's so, what I would love. Yeah. No cleaning. I don't want to wash a glass. Either. No, I don't want to do anything. And, and my husband went to the grocery store yesterday, so that was good. I don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> so there's a print that I want, like a print of a, a painting. Um, I forgot the artist right now, Elizabeth Power. I think her name is Elizabeth Power. And I saw it on Instagram. It's like this pink background and it has these ferns, these green ferns that are painted on it. It's very like Golden Girls kind of, oh. but it's like the paint is kind of dripping. It looks really fucking cool. And so that's what I wanted for Mother's Day. I told my husband I wanted a print and um, he was like, okay, just pay for it and I'll give you the money. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, listen, yeah. that's, I am not oh. about like, surprise me with no. all these gifts. Like I don't I, need anything. I am the same way. I'm like, just let me get what I want to yeah. get for myself. And yay. I bought myself a um, coffee. It's, it's, it's a, uh, one of those, um, you know, a, a thermos, a coffee thermos. And it's a Kate Spade. I found it at Marshall's <laughs> yeah. on clearance for $8. And I got it for myself for Mother's Day. And I love it because it's all, it's all bookshelves of all classic books. Cool. And that was my Mother's Day gift last year that I just, that was it. I yeah. was like, I'm going to buy this for myself. Yeah, I don't need, I don't need a lot. I don't no. have fancy purses. I don't drive a fancy car. No. I have my own money. I have a job where I have make my own yes. money. There's no competition here of like, get me the better gift. You know yeah. what I mean? Like oh I'm, God. I'm not in for that, but I wanted this print. And then oh, I'm going to try to say this and not be as asshole, sound like an asshole, but like, so they, they made me cards, which again, that's what I want. Like, Aww. just make me stuff. My daughter made me like this tissue paper flower oh and I fucking God. love it. Like a beautiful, she made a newspaper. It's the Doherty Gazette <gasps> and it has all about like, who's the mom of the year. There's a picture no. of me on there and she drew a picture of our family oh and all, the beautiful story about how I'm mom of the year. Oh like my God. Tina, this is the most amazing yeah. thing. I'll have to show it to you next time I see you. Yes. It's beautiful and I love it so much. Um, I'm going to cry. Yeah. I, your daughter. I just love her because she is such an authentic girl. Like she's just a, a sweet girl. She's there's no pretentiousness about her. There's no like duck face. You know, like yeah, sometimes yeah. you know, not no offense to any girls that do that, but there's no like um showing off. I don't know. There's just it's such a pure, beautiful thing that Aww. I love about her. Thank you. And the idea that she made this newspaper, I just, oh my yeah, God. It's really I cool. love it. I love it. Like, listen, that's enough for me though. Yes. So then my husband says, look out the back window and see what they're your gift. And I was like, what? Right. And so like, I look out the back window and there's a bird bath, like huge, <laughs> like a huge bird bath. And I have to tell you, like, that's, I, I was so, it took me, I've been now for hours in my head going like, not even in my head, like saying to him, like, what is that? Like, I don't, what? 
Like, I love his mother. She's, like, the sweetest, most wonderful woman ever. Yes. But that's something, like, his mom would have as a gift. Like, it's yes. something, like, his mom would love that. She loves her garden. And I get it. It's for some people. Yes. But that is not a present I would ever ask for, look for. You know, I, I look in our backyard, and our backyard's patchy with grass. You know, there's, like, oh, dirt please, piles and shit. Please, mine so is he all like sand these days. Yes, it's sand. <laughs> and he literally put it on top of, like, a sand pile. And I was like... What are you doing? He's like, well, it's a nice thing to look at. And I was like, for who though? I don't, yeah. he's like, so you can look out the windows and see the birds. I'm like, what in the fuck? What? <laughs> like, I'm so on a hundred angry all the time that I'm just like, I can't appreciate this bird bath. I feel like shit even saying this, Aww. but I was like, where? Well, or just maybe it's the idea of, of not being, not that not being understood or, or yes, to know. Yes, that's it. Yeah. I said to him, I said, yeah. this is now oh, like what our 11th. Mother's Day together and every year, even with Christmas, sometimes I have to be very specific of like, either don't give me anything or like, here's things I want because yes. he will come home with shit that I've never in my life <laughs> would have occurred to me. Like I said to him, that's not for me. You, you spend time in the backyard. Yes. You want to look at birds. <laughs> like I want to, I really want to go out and like kick it over and break oh, it. No, I know this no, is how no. insane I am. That's how insane. <laughs> And oh so maybe God. by the end of the day, I'll appreciate it. But right now I'm just like, why in the fuck in the dirt pile of our backyard is there a bird bath? <laughs> why is it there? Well, I guess with my husband and I, we, um, we're not really gifty people like anniversary, like this year for our anniversary, we both forgot <laughs> until like the middle of the afternoon and it was like, oh, okay, Hey, happy anniversary. <laughs> um, and that was it. And that was fine. Yeah. Um, with me. Christmas, he's usually pretty good, but I, I will kind of hint at sort of things that I'm into. Yeah. But yeah, we're pretty low key. We don't really do like the Valentine's thing, you know, like I'm, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't either. It. I don't I'm either. Not. If we go as a family and have like a good meal on Valentine's yes. Day, like I'm cool with that. I don't need yes. things. I'm not about things. I don't have diamonds on. Like I'm oh not God. about no. collecting garbage that I don't need. And so I just... <laughs> Like one year for Valentine's Day, I'm not even kidding. It was the best gift he's ever given me. It was gift certificates to the car wash. I was so <laughs> fucking excited. I was I was like, I almost started crying. And he was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, this is the most thoughtful thing you've ever done. I love it. Could imagine just being able to go car get your car wash and not have to pay for it. Like this is a God. remarkable present. Yes. And he was like, he couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is how you should be thinking yes, though. Practical. practical. You're practical. practical. You're practical. I don't I like want... It. Fancy things. I just, just please be practical. That's what I want. Yes. And a bird or, bath. I said to him, I go, then we were driving to my mother's and I was like, how much was that anyway? <laughs> and he was like, it was expensive. I go, God, I, I, and then I was like, where did you get it? He's like, it doesn't matter. And I was <laughs> like, no, I want to know how this pertains um, to my life. Yes. As a mother. Oh, I don't know. Funny. And then he told well, me, and the then he said, birds. I don't he know, said the cycle me, of life. The best thing he said was, you know, this day isn't about you. <laughs> 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 oh my god tina i'm getting tears in my eyes right now because i'm like what? half crying half laughing i'm so fucking depressed i'm so depressed like, this is why i cry myself to sleep at night because i was like you're right it's not about i forgot it's oh not about god. me it's, it's so only bizarre. mother's day yeah i would just and I, well, I think i said well yeah just like your birthday is not about you right like that yeah. makes sense yeah oh my gosh um, ours but well my boys did um breakfast in bed Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, and then the best part, though, was my little one, because uh, we had uh, bacon. They made bacon. I yeah. know you don't eat meat. <laughs> they made bacon and blueberry pancakes. And um, that sounds so good. But then uh, my little one said, 
wait a minute, how am I going to have bacon pasta now? Because we used up the bacon. Oh, and boy. I, and he, he almost left the room in tears. And I was like, yeah. we, we can buy more bacon. It's, you know. Yeah. But thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for the Why do we use it for you? What is this? Uh, oh, my God. But it was cute. I mean, he. So, so yeah. Well, though, so also, I know this, this is going to come out two weeks later. I did want to say something about the last episode because I started thinking about at the end of the episode 20, we talked about the numbers of people who are sick or have died from COVID. Oh. And I wanted to say like, that's two weeks old, right? Yeah. Like I know, I don't know if anybody's going to comment like that's the wrong number. Like it's the number it was at the, at when the, we recorded. At the time of recording. Two yes. weeks ago. Um, so that's something I want to mention. And also uh, today is our friend Alfredo's birthday. Yes. <laughs> and it Alfredo. is. This, <laughs> and he won't hear this for two weeks, yes. but um, he is such a wonderful man. And, uh, a good friend to us and he he's su- great supports us so much yes. with the podcast and we call him our executive producer he is <laughs> he, he checks in yeah. he's he's our he makes sure we don't overlap with stories and yeah. uh he's a wonderful man and i'm so i so i want to say happy birthday to him um especially during covid i know that this is not how he would regularly ce- celebrate his birthday so i and also some things that have made me happy this week that i just wanted to tell people about is um because it has been like a crap week, um, is that all these DJs who I probably never would have seen in real life, oh. they go live on on Instagram for oh, yes, hours and hours and hours. Like it's insane how long they go on for, for like four or five hours straight wow. playing music. And I would like working on the story yesterday and just had Samantha Ronson's um, Instagram going her live Instagram feed and it was old school rap old school hip-hop uh, there was um of course a lot of um uh little Richard who passed away uh, yesterday I know uh they played a lot of she played some of his music and it's so good he goes she goes live uh, preservation hall in New Orleans goes live Ben with preservation hall it's amazing New Orleans jazz music fun fun stuff quest love goes live um wow. yeah for, and i mean he was on there i swear to god he was on for eight hours yesterday every wow. time i go back on I'm like he's still on here yeah that's awesome it was awesome and um corka comics so steven corka who's um yes. uh, he's a local I guy s- actually i saw him do a thing yes uh, yesterday it's awesome so he he, he did like owns, a piano thing yes he, yes he has different like <laughs> nights but he owns uh a, like three or four comic book shops here in south florida but he's also like a musician he would play shows at night like with his his band yes. like, i think they do like cover music and He's been doing these live nights and it's always a different theme. And it's like for 30 minutes. So he goes live on Instagram and on Facebook and it's so good. Yes. So good. And it's only like, like 30 seconds of a song, like each song, but it like goes perfectly one into, it just keeps you excited and happy. I'm telling you, I just, the music part Uh, of this whole COVID thing is like making me so excited. I love it. I saw, this is complete, it's a little music related, but I finally watched, um, with my kids, the John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. Oh, we started watching that, a little bit of that. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal Mm. comes in at the end. Honey. (laughs) Mm. But he does this music everywhere, and he's so... Jake Gyllenhaal does music? Well, no, no, no. Oh. It is a musical number, but it's so funny, and he's so just zany crazy in this little number that he does. And... I, I loved it. It was like the highlight of the show for me. Oh. Like, cause it was, um, 
the, the show is interesting because it talks a lot about death really and like the and, and fears that kids have and mm. it just was a and some of the stuff and it, I was like hmm, is this kid appropriate <laughs> um with uh there was another song uh, about algebra but we watch it and and I mean my kids cracked up through the whole thing like they enjoyed cool. it yeah and um but I was blown away by Jake Gyllenhaal at the end with this ridiculous um <laughs> think like he went he really uh went all out yeah so you'll have to at least if you don't get a chance to watch all of it but it reminded me when I was a kid they had this segment in the middle of of uh a, a character's like dressed up in one of those you know like a Barney suit like mm-hmm. a, a uh, one of those kind of characters a blue monster kind of guy but it reminded me of this show when I was a kid called the great space coaster do you remember that no oh my god it was the great space coaster get on board it was like oh my oh my god and it was just this wacky kids kind of yeah show everyone dressed up in it's almost like if you're at a flaming lip show you know like Mm -hmm. everyone's in like the crazy costume yeah but that's what it reminded me of it had like just a flavor of that and it was interesting so we watched that and my my kids really I wasn't sure how they were gonna like it yeah but I mean my little one would just laugh. He was out loud, like falling on the ground. I oh was like, my God. Okay. <laughs> they like it. So, that sounds awesome. Yes. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. Okay. So today I'm going to talk about former Rowan County Clerk of Courts, Kim Davis. Oh, really? Are you looking at me like you don't know? Or are you? I, okay. I feel like I know I, you know who it is. Yeah. Once let me, I gotta hear it. I don't know. So, I don't know. The Rowan name County is very in Kentucky. I want to give a shout out to our my friend Josh, who has been really supportive of our podcast. Also, he's from Kentucky. By uh, he's in Orlando now, but by way of Kentucky. So I'm giving him a little shout out. I know he listens every week. Thank you, Josh. Um, okay. So here's my quote, which I love starting my my stories now with quotes. It's a little long, but I think that you'll like it because it really kind of made me tear up a little bit. No union is more profound than marriage, for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice, and family. In forming a marital union, two people become stronger. Two people become something greater than once they were. As some of the petitioners in these cases demonstrate, marriage embodies a love that may endure even past death. It would misunderstand these men and women to say they disrespect the idea of marriage. Their plea is that they do respect it, respect it so deeply that they seek to find its fulfillment for themselves. Their hope is not to be condemned to live in loneliness, excluded from one of civilization's oldest institutions. They ask for equal dignity in the eyes of the law. The Constitution grants them that right. And that was written by Justice Anthony Kennedy. I know Okay. This is, I am covered <laughs> in goosebumps. Yeah. I am covered in goosebumps. Oh, so he I'm wrote so excited. that in the majority opinion uh, to legalize same-sex marriage in the United States. Um, So let's talk a little bit about that. On June 26, 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court held in a 5-4 decision that the 14th Amendment requires all states to grant same-sex marriages and recognize same-sex marriages granted in other states. The court overruled its prior decision in 1971 in the case Baker versus Nelson, which the Sixth Circuit had invoked as precedent, uh, precedent in the 2014 case. So Baker versus Nelson was... Um, that marriage is only between a man and a woman. Like that was already right. like on the books. Right. Um, okay. So the case that um, was brought in front of the Supreme Court was Obergefell versus Hodges, 
Um, but this case had multiple cases underneath it. It was like they kind of lumped a whole bunch of states who had a bunch of different couples had sued different states like in Ohio and and all this, and they so they lumped them all together. Some of the cases were about adoption, like they uh, a gay couple had been married and they wanted one adopted one kid, the other one adopted the other, right. and they didn't they wanted everybody's name to be so they sued their state. And so that was one of the cases. Another case was um, a couple who were married in Maryland, but they lived in Ohio, and one of the spouses was dying, and they yes. wanted the other, the other, the, the the surviving spouse to be listed on the death certificate of when course. he dies. And so that's the or even have rights. Yes. Oh. So those are some of the cases that were underneath this umbrella of like multiple cases of bringing right. it to the Supreme Court. Do you remember? Um, this is a show. It was called If If. Uh, these walls, these, could talk. Will call, yes. these walls could talk. And, yes. and I think it was like their second one where it dealt with uh, this. And there was a story about the, the this elderly female yes. couple. And it just. Yeah. I, I remember it breaking my heart then. Yeah. And then have you seen the the secret love? No. But is it on oh, Netflix now? It's on Netflix. Oh, my God. You have to watch well, it. Well, I watched the trailer and I was like, Holy I cried shit. my eyes out. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay. I'm I'm dying to see that. It's so good. So the Obergefell versus Hodges decision came on the second anniversary of the United States versus Windsor, which was the ruling that struck down Section 3 of the Defense of Marriage Act, which denied federal recognition to same-sex marriages. That was about being able, excuse me, to file taxes together. This was about legalizing it, right? Legalizing marriage. It also came on the 12th anniversary of Lawrence versus Texas, which struck down sodomy laws in 13 states. The Obergefell decision was issued on the second to last decision of the court's term. The justices' opinions in Obergefell are consistent with their opinions in Windsor, which rejected DOMA's recognition of only opposite sex marriages for certain purposes under federal law. In both cases, Justice Kennedy authored the majority opinions and was considered the swing vote. By the way, he was appointed by Reagan, just so everybody knows. And he was always the one where nobody knew where he was going to land on things, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when he resigned, you know... <laughs> He was replaced by Brett Kavanaugh. I can't, I, <laughs> I, I, I just. I resigned, stepped down, right? Like he retired. Um, yes. Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Scalia, Thomas, and Alito each wrote a separate dissenting opinion. The Chief Justice read part of his dissenting opinion from the bench, his first time doing so since joining the court in 2005. So the majority opinion, Justice Anthony Kennedy authored the majority opinion and was joined by Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan. The majority held that the same-sex marriage bans are a violation of the 14th Amendment's due process and equal protection clauses. The court listed four distinct reasons why the fundamental right to marry applies to same-sex couples, citing United States versus Windsor in support throughout its decision. First, quote, the right to personal choice regarding marriage is inherent in the concept of individual autonomy, end quote. Second, Quote, the right to marry is fundamental because it supports a two-person union unlike any other in its importance to the committed individuals, end quote, a principle applying equally to same-sex couples. Third, the fundamental right to marry, quote, safeguards children and families and thus draws meaning from related rights of childbearing, procreation, and education, end quote. As same-sex couples have children and families, they are deserving of this safeguard, though the right to marry in the United States has never been conditioned on procreation. Fourth and lastly, quote, marriage is a keystone of our social order, and there is no difference between same and opposite opposite sex couples with respect to this principle, end quote. Consequently, preventing same sex couples from marrying puts them at odds with society, denies them countless benefits of marriage and introduce instability into their relationships for no justifiable reason. Right. 
The court noted that the relationship between the liberty of the due process clause and the equality of the equal protection clause and determined that same-sex marriage bans violated the latter. Concluding that the liberty and equality of same-sex couples was significantly burdened, the court struck down same-sex marriage bans for violating both clauses, holding that same-sex couples may exercise the fundamental right to marry in all 50 states, quote, on the same terms and conditions as opposite-sex couples, end quote. Additionally, the court rejected the notion that allowing same-sex couples to marry harms the institution of marriage, leading to fewer opposite-sex marriages through a severing of the link between procreation and marriage, calling the notion, quote, counterintuitive and unrealistic, end quote. Instead, the court stated that the married married same-sex couples, quote, would pose no risk of harm to themselves or third parties, end quote. It still blows my mind. That this is even a conversation. You know what I mean? I know. And I, I was always annoyed it, it, that because, you know, right before this decision, Obama never he was always I'm, it's, I'm, I'm coming around to it. Even when he ran, I think both times when he ran, he was like, ah, you know, I'm coming around the same sex. It wasn't that long ago. No. Right. It, it, and so but right before this decision, he sat down and like came out for gay marriage before this this decision came out like days before. Um, and I was always annoyed that he like just wasn't on the right side which he probably always was but politically it wasn't okay I, and then which, people which, and then gay people that i knew were just like well he's come around like if even though it took this long like at least he came around when he yeah, finally did it just it just still blows my mind and and i think i've told you this that i went to my first um and it was then it was called a gay union right 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 um, when i was 16 um i was invited by a coworker and it was one of the most incredible experiences. Um, it was the first time I had ever, as a 16-year-old in the, you know, 90s, um, it was drag queens and it was, mm. it, it just was a phenomenal union between these two, this marriage. And I, I was so happy that I got to go and experience it. And it really, you know, shifted my mindset as a young person right. and, and saw this beautiful thing. And so from a young age, I never saw a problem with it and that here we are still all these years later because I'm many moons past 16. (laughs) Not that many. And not that many, but many. (laughs) And that these conversations, like why do, who cares? Let people live and be happy. And you know, like, and this is that separation of church and state Mm -hmm. because your religion tells you that this is wrong in some way, doesn't allow you to dictate that for the country. So I think with religion, it's a, it's so, it, there's so much fear wrapped up in, in being religious and there's no judgment in that. I have a lot of fears too. And I, I'm sure that, well, I know that when I get upset or I'm like, feel like I'm at the edge of my sanity, I always go, please God help me. Right. Like no matter what happens, there's always that like plea of like fear of like, there's gotta be another something out there that's going to help me. And I think the fear of also not living your life to the purest to some people um, because they're scared of what happens after, right? Like if I die and I'm not living to the, to the, what I'm supposed to be doing according to this book right. or whatever, like the, what these that, people are saying. It was written by men. Yeah, it, right, <laughs> right. It was created to control. And so I get the idea, like I have nothing, you want to be religious, that's fine. Yes. I, that's fine. I'm raising my kids in a certain religion. I get it. It doesn't mean that I have to swallow all the stuff that comes along with it either. No, you can be religious and believe in God and have your your faith, yes, and not hold other communities down be- and, and tell them they can go without. That's, right, those two things I, don't have to happen. Right. 
I, I was raised as a, my mom used to call it a cafeteria Catholic. Mm. Pick and choose. You pick and choose. <laughs> you pick and choose. And so she was, oh, she was, so she's, she kind of had that Biden responsive, you know, for me, <laughs> I'm pro-life, but I'm pro-choice for everyone else. Like, right. And she would always talk to me about that kind of stuff from a young age mm-hmm. about what things and what parables were, you know, are good stories and good moral lessons. Right. Um, that really people don't adhere to. And that's where that hypocrisy comes in, Mm -hmm. you know, of not judging others and right. And all of that. And that's where it, it just bothers me that, that people feel like they have the right to somehow dictate. I know other human beings. I know. Uh, All right. I'm sorry. guys. Okay. So (laughs) let's talk about Kim Davis. By 1991, she was serving as chief deputy clerk of Rowan County, Kentucky, reporting to her mother, the Rowan County clerk, Jean Bailey. Davis was Davis's 2011 compensation was fifty one thousand eight hundred twelve dollars with an additional eleven thousand dollars in overtime. Dang! Um, she earned more than other chief deputies in the county, and some county employees and residents complained to the county's governing body, the fiscal court, that the clerk's staff wages were too high. And then the for the following the next year they cut it by like a hundred thousand dollars. So that budget is also supposed to pay for the people in her office. Yeah, and she was getting paid all this money. That's a lot of money, and people thought it was because of the mother, right? Well, yeah, it seems. Yeah. After her mother announced she would not run for re-election in 2014, Davis filed as a Democratic candidate for county for county clerk. As a candidate's form or at a candidate's form, Davis stated she felt she was the best qualified for the position because of her 26 years of experience in the clerk's office. She always ran as a Democrat until she ran for re-election after this this debacle, then she ran as a Republican. Um Davis narrowly won the Democratic primary election. Um, defeating Elwood Caldwell Jr., a deputy clerk in the Rowan County Property Valuation Administration's office. By 23 votes, she won, and advancing to the general election against Republican John Cox. Davis won the election, with Cox subsequently alleging that nepotism was to blame for his loss. Mm. Might be true. After winning the race, Davis told the Moorhead News, quote, my words can never express the appreciation, but I promise to each and every one that I will be the very best working clerk that I can that I can be and will be the be a good steward for, of their tax dollars and follow the statutes of this office to the letter end quote. Okay, girl, let's see what she does. <laughs> Davis took the oath of office as a county clerk of Rowan County on January fifth, twenty fifteen, beginning a four year term slated to end on January seventh, twenty nineteen. So after the Supreme Court same sex marriage decision, Kim Davis contacted Kentucky Governor Steve Bashir asking for an executive order to protect clerks who have moral obligations against personally issuing such marriage licenses as Kentucky law requires county clerks to issue manager marriage licenses in their names. So that was her deal is that you go to the the courthouse to get a marriage license right. since she's the clerk, you know, right. their names are all over like the office of that. Of course she wanted her name off of that. She wanted an executive order where her name would not have to be on the marriage license. And it would just say the office of the The clerk clerk, without her name. Oh, my God. So she began turning away. But you're still working for... Well, she just said she was going to fall to the letter of the law, but I guess that's not true. Yeah. So she began turning away gay couples from her county office who were seeking marriage licenses. David Ermold and David Moore, a same-sex couple from Moorhead, Kentucky, released a video footage released video footage on July 7th, 2015 of Davis refusing to issue them a marriage license and requesting that they turn off their camera. That's a great video. Go find it. I remember Um, this. And the video went viral overnight. Of course. Yeah. 
The Family Foundation of Kentucky, a local political organization, held a protest rally against the ruling at the state capitol in Frankfurt on um, August 22nd, 2015, attended by several thousand people. Davis spoke briefly to the crowd saying, quote, I need your prayers to continue to stand firm in what we believe, end quote, which I highlighted believe because what you believe should not hinder someone from living their life and marrying somebody no, right like it's, when that's you what have you not not when in. you're sitting in a public office yeah, right i mean i also believe like home. yeah i also believe i should have pizza every morning for breakfast but you yeah. don't see me fucking uh, you know <laughs> you know stopping people from doing what they need to do like it doesn't make yeah, any sense no. you believe what you yes. believe who the fuck asked you right and how, i don't know fine. what anybody i work with believes right. i don't know what any of them believe right we do our job and we go home go yes. believe at home it doesn't make any it doesn't oh shouldn't occur, occur there no. Um, at a competing event several blocks away, organized by the Fairness Campaign of Louisville, attendees celebrated the Supreme Court's decision and called upon government officials to uphold the law. Of course. Yeah. Rather than issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples, Davis began denying marriage licenses to all couples. Oh. Mm-hmm. But- <laughs> I, didn't so, re- I didn't know that part. Yeah. Yeah. So no one's getting married. Nope. Okay. Fuck them. <laughs> well, and to be honest, like, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. No. Wow, oh, Tina, please. So six couples <laughs> six couples who were denied birdbath, Tina. <laughs> Fucking birdbath. That's all I have to say to you. Six couples who were denied marriage licenses from Davis sued her in her official capacity as county clerk. Four couples were represented by the ACLU of Kentucky and two couples had separate legal representation. The four couples represented by the ACLU, two same-sex couples and two opposite-sex couples filed a lawsuit against Davis on July 2nd, 2015. Filed the same the opposite sex because she's not issuing to anybody, yeah. right? Um I mean Federal ju- District Judge David L. Bunning, who this poor man for the for the fucking the entire duration of the shit, he's the one who's got to be in charge of it, right? So, uh, okay, so Federal District Judge David Bunning of the United States District Court of the Eastern District of Kentucky, um, the judge assigned to the cases held hearings with Davis in Ashland, in which she was the only witness. Davis argued tearfully that issuing licenses under her name violated her beliefs, citing her religious rights under the First Amendment. Quote, it wasn't just a spur of the moment decision, she said. It was thought out and I sought God. I sought God on it. So quit your job. Davis, I, I mean, <laughs> just quit. I mean, I see these both sides like we want so much fucking freedom. Freedom, 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 right? Yeah. And so everybody wants to be free, free to practice the religion, free to have the job you want, or whatever, whatever. just yeah. whatever these freedoms that everybody wants so badly. But and she should be free to, to practice whatever right. religion yes. she wants. But it doesn't, we have those things are. But you can't then, yeah. then uh, take away someone else's freedom. Right. But then what about her freedom? Everybody's got to have your fucking rights and their freedom. And find another job that isn't going to yeah. impose on your moral beliefs. Ugh. You're in a public office. Yeah. Davis had already uh, decided against resigning from her post as doing so. She said would leave only leave the matter to her deputies. If I resign, I solve nothing. It helps nobody. She said it helps all those couples that want to get married. Yeah. Um, Governor Bashir stated that he would not call a special session of the General Assembly to address Davis's concerns, while other state legislators believe that such a session could accommodate Davis with possible new legislation. That's how special she is. Right. <laughs> This is, this is the worst kind of person. <laughs> the worst kind of people are the people who think they're so fucking, you should call a special session for me and my beliefs. What the fuck? Who are you? Bullshit. <laughs> Davis's attorney, 
<laughs> Davis's attorneys from the Maitland, Florida-based law firm Liberty Council uh, stated stated boy. that the plaintiffs were to, let's just do a whole show on Liberty Council no. stated the plaintiffs were dri- were free to drive to other co- counties to obtain their same-sex marriage licenses. With one adding, "quote This case is not about these plaintiffs' desire to get married. The case is about their desire to force Kim Davis to approve and authorize their marriage in violation of the constitutional protected religious beliefs." End quote. So it's not about them wanting to get married. Yeah. It's about her. It's all about her, Tina. She's in a public office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like we're taking crazy I, juice. We're drinking this, crazy yes, juice. Yes, I don't. Davis and her attorneys then sued Governor Bashir for ordering her to violate her religious beliefs instead of trying to accommodate them, arguing that Bashir, not Davis, should be held accountable for any legal damages from the ACLU lawsuit. On August 12th, Judge Bunning issued a temporary stay barring Davis from, quote, applying her no marriage licenses policy to future marriage license requests, end quote. Before the stay expired, the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit refused to extend that ruling for an appeal. It can, quote, it cannot be defensible, defensibly argued that the holder of the Rowan County Clerk's Office may decline to act in conformity with the United States Constitution, right? Like, you, this is the law. Yes. The three judge panel wrote unanimously in their refusal, continuing, quote, this there is thus little or no likelihood that the clerk in her official capacity will prevail on her appeal. So basically they upheld his thing saying, no, you have to issue these. This is now part of the law of the land. Right. So her appeal, Liberty Council and Kim Davis filed an emergency application to appeal with the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, my God. On August 31st, 2015, in a one line order. The Supreme Court refused to hear the appeal, preventing Davis from legally continuing to deny marriage licenses. And then I, I wrote, Ruth Bader Ginsburg put a post-it on her appeal with one line. We already cited this, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, honey. They just one line. No. Yes. Like, we, Goodbye. we just did this. Yes. We just took this case. We're not doing this anymore. Yes. You're not special. No. In response to the U.S. Supreme Court's refusal to grant her stay request, Davis stated, quote, I never imagined a day like this would come where I would be asked to violate a central teaching of scripture and of Jesus oh, himself God. regarding marriage to issue a marriage license, which conflicts with God's definition of marriage with my name affixed to the certificate would violate my conscience End quote. Then quit your job. Davis I, continued to defy judge Bunning's court order after the Supreme court's refusal. The following morning, several couples sought to obtain marriage licenses, but Davis turned them away, saying she was acting, quote, under God's authority, end quote. <laughs> Separation of church and state. Could you imagine you say to somebody your work, you're, you're operating under God's authority? Like, that's like mental case. Like, we need to have her examined. Yeah. I don't get, I don't understand, but I think you have to be so f- into your faith. Like, I don't, un- yeah. I, don't get, I don't get it. Some of the I, media I questioned whether Davis has... This is my favorite part. Okay, <laughs> buckle up, Tita, because you're going to die. Oh, I can't wait. Some in the media questioned whether Davis, having been married four times and only recently converted, was ap- acting hypocritically in the application of her beliefs. <laughs> Dang! Four marriages. And had just converted. Like, this is not something she had her whole life. Mm. So she drank She drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, you know. Which again, fine. That's okay. Marriage drink number the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Do what you want. Yeah, marriage number four. And she maybe is is desperate to be cleansed of her sins. Maybe. I don't know. Judge Bunning. 
you know, <laughs> repent on your own time. Judge Bunning ordered Davis and her six deputy clerks to appear before him on September 3rd, 2015, after the six couple sought to have her held in contempt of court. Bunning ruled in the plaintiff's favor and held Davis in contempt. The ACLU asked the court to fine Davis, but Bunning ordered her remanded in custody after the hearing. Good. Like, we're not hitting you in the pocketbook, honey. No. Get your bum in jail, right? The judge said Davis would remain there until she complied with the court's order to issue marriage licenses. Dang. Bunning then, like, at this point, he's pissed. Yes, of course. First like, of all, you didn't let... listen to me. Second of all, you went to the Supreme Court and they told you fuck off. Yes. Now you're, now you're still doing this? No. So he's a get the fuck out. Yeah. So Bunnings then spoke with each of the deputy clerks who reported to Davis. Only her son, Nathan Davis, told the judge he refused to comply with the court's order to start issuing marriage licenses. Well, wait, wait. He worked in the fucking office. He so was a clerk was, in the office. Okay, so it was the mom, grandma. Got, yeah, grandma and son. So there, it's a family It's a yeah. family affair. So Bunning declined to hold him in contempt of court, but he said he wouldn't do it. But all the other clerks said, fuck yeah, we'll do it. After the hearing, U.S. Marshals transported Davis to the Carter County Detention Center. On Friday, September 4th, 2015, the first day her office was open during her incarceration, Davis's deputies clerks uh, began issuing marriage licenses to all couples. Good. Hell yeah. Jeez. Finally. <laughs> James Yates and William Smith Jr. Independent, independently suing Davis were the first couple in Rowan County to receive a marriage license since Obergefell. Aww. Yeah. They were soon followed by other couples who were plaintiffs against Davis. Through her Liberty County Council attorneys, Davis filed an appeal of the order holding her in contempt of court, asking that she be released immediately from jail and that her name be removed from marriage licenses, allowing her deputies to issue them. Separately, Davis um, asked Governor Bashir to free her. The governor's office said that the conflict was a, quote, matter between her and, her and the courts. He was a Democrat, by the way. <sighs> a matter between her and the courts. Bashir added that he lacked the legal authority to remove Davis from office or to relieve Davis of her statutory duty. You know, oh, she's an elected God. official. She yeah. can't. Not there. I know yeah. they do it here, but he can't. He, they're not in Kentucky, I guess. Really, yeah. We've had people removed yes. here from, from office, from elected seats, but in Broward. Um, Rowan County Democratic Judge Executive Walter Blevins stated that he did not believe he would need to appoint a replacement for da for Davis and that he believed the Attorney General of Kentucky and, quote, the General Assembly will pass something where marriage licenses don't have anyone's name on them, which is what ended up happening eventually. Uh, five days later, on Tuesday, September 8th, 2015, Judge Bunning ordered Davis released from jail. Uh, the order stated, quote, Defendus, defendant Davis shall not interfere in any way directly or indirectly with the efforts of her deputy clerks to issue marriage licenses to all legally eligible couples. If defendant Davis should interfere in any way with their issuance, that will be considered a violation of this order and appropriate sanctions will be considered, end quote. Man. Judge Bunning's order also stated that Davis's deputy, deputy clerks must continue to comply with his earlier order to issue marriage licenses and of to course. submit status reports to him every 14 days confirming their compliance. Oh, so now they're like micromanaged. Yeah, have to. Yeah. Have to. The deputy clerks released statements pledging to continue issuing licenses with Davis's release and to ignore any order from her to do otherwise complying with the federal judge's order. <laughs> Licenses issued since Davis's refusal state that they are authorized by, quote, the office of the Rowan County clerk, but no longer bear her name. You know, n I, that's OK. Listen, fine. She's but what are you going to do? Yeah. But but I, fe I feel like well, you're going to give her that. But she's you the don't clerk. want your name like, on she it. Is get, the but, go away. But she's the, the uh, yeah. Rowan County clerk. That's her. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't say her name, but we know what's going yeah. on. And I'm sure it still kills her, too. 
Davis's Good. supporters gathered at the Rowan County Courthouse since her first day in custody said that her said her deputies were unlawfully issuing licenses and should resign uh. and be, or be fired. Oh, they should resign and be fired. Yeah. Oh. Davis returned to work a week later on September 14th, 2015. She said that while she will not interfere with any deputy clerk who issues marriage licenses, she would not personally issue or authorize any of the forms. She created several altered versions of the Kentucky marriage license form and instructed her deputy clerks to use them, which had her name and reference to the clerk's office removed. The ACLU, the ACLU then sued Davis separately for these form alterations, which they found to be questionable of questionable legality. Governor Steve Bashir was asked by Judge Bunning to brief the court on the validity of the licenses, and the governor acknowledged that Kentucky would recognize the licenses being issued, but he could not verify the legality of the licenses issued or by the means or or the means by which the marriage licenses were altered. Judge uh. Bunning ultimately denied the ACLU's use separate suit, stating the altered forms were likely legal and that Davis was now abiding by the court's order. So I mean, what lengths is she going to? (laughs) While Davis remained inside her personal office, same-sex couples successfully walked out of the Rowan County clerk's office with their marriage licenses. Thank God. One of the applicants said, quote, my license is valid and it's valid because of the court order that's in effect. It doesn't have to have her signature, end quote. Which is really what it's about. They want to be married. They want to be married. They don't want all this nonsense. I know. And you Um, know how it is planning a a, a marriage? Yeah. It's a lot of time. It's the last thing you need is to be held up by the court. Yeah, planning. A, you mean planning a wedding? That's what I mean. Yeah, planning a wedding. Because <laughs> planning a marriage, honey, I don't, yeah. no fucking plans for that bullshit. Okay, <laughs> every day's an adventure. Yes. Um, months after Davis's office began issuing same-sex marriage licenses, Davis's lawyers filed a motion asking the United States Court of Appeals of the for the sixth dish, sixth circuit to overturn four of Bunning's decisions, calling them a quote rush to judgment that imposed that, quote, imposed direct pressure and substantial burden on Davis, forcing her to choose between her religious beliefs and forfeiting her essential personal freedom on one hand or abandoning those beliefs to keep her freedom on the other hand. The court denied the motion on November 5th. Davis's lawyers filed their last appeal the next day, requesting a delay. Yeah, requesting a delay in issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples, arguing that previous decisions should apply only to the four couples to whom Davis had was initially ordered to issue licenses. Can you imagine? Still, like, still, the appeal also asked, but like, how I know these lawyers have their own faith and like that's what they're working with. I get it, but like this has already been decided. Yeah, decided. Like, why are we still? And the Supreme Court said, fuck off. Yes. Like, again, like, why are you still doing this? It's going to go up the chain and they're going to tell you no. Yeah. Maybe, waste they wanna, a, maybe they want to log those uh, lawyer hours. Yeah. Maybe. Get yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the appeal also asked the Sixth Court to um, of Appeals to overturn a previous ruling that had sent Davis to jail for failure to comply. The final appeal was denied two days later by the court. In March 2016, the Campaign, campaign of Accountability, a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit group, made a request to Davis for an access... Uh, for access to public records under the Kentucky Open Records Act, seeking copies of retainer agreements and lawyer-client engagement agreements between Davis and her attorneys at Liberty Council. Mm. Liberty Council, which responded to the request on Davis's behalf, refused to comply, arguing that the documents were prelimi- preliminary and private records and are not subject to the act. Um, CFA appealed to the Office of the Kentucky Attorney General, which under Kentucky law has the authority to make binding rulings on the Open Records Act and resubmitted its request to Davis office in April 2016. The Attorney General's office sought to privately review the records at at issue to determine if an exemption applied, but Liberty Council refused to make most of the documents available for Uh private review. Like who's paying for this? Yes. Right? That's what's happening. 
This is curious. Yeah. In an opinion issued on June 30th, 2016, the Attorney General's office determined that Davis had violated the Open Records Act, saying that her conduct had the effect of, quote, intentionally frustrating the Attorney General's review of an open records request, end quote. Oh, now they're mad. Yeah, which would subvert the General Assembly's intent behind providing review by the Attorney General. One of the first acts of the newly elected governor, Kentucky Governor Mac Bevins, who was a, a Republican, um, was an executive order to remove clerks' names from the state marriage licenses. Ugh. Bevins expressed his hope on November 6, 2000, uh, 2015, that the executive order will protect the religious beliefs of officials who are opposed to gay marriage. Oh, my God. I know. Honestly. But sometimes I, sometimes, I mean, I think it's ridiculous. But sometimes I feel like we have to meet in the middle at some yeah. point. Like something has to happen so people can actually, you know, they're going to chip away at some but other point. But like, I get it. But but y- y- this is your job. Yeah. It's not telling you to do something in your personal life. Yeah. It's And if it's, it's part of your job to issue these licenses and you can't do it, then this isn't the job for you, perhaps. Yeah, I agree. Kim Davis and her attorneys at Liberty Council immediately requested that the court dismiss her appeals because the new regulation provides a religious accommodation for her and makes the case moot. Judge Bunning agreed, dismissing the three lawsuits filed against her, saying the new governor's order to use a license form that does not require the county clerk's signature has removed the controversy from the court. One of the plaintiff couples who were denied marriage licenses from Davis contacted Judge Bunning, requesting they be allowed to recoup $230,000 in legal fees. Dang. It's that number is so large and it's frightening to me to think that this is what they were willing to spend to be married, to get that license. Yes. You know, and so. And it's, it's. And so for her to be like. For no reason. Yeah. That's how badly they wanted to be together. And she just like. I don't know. It's 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 insane. Davis's attorneys asserted that they're and by the way, that's a privilege. Like there are there are there are queer people who don't have two hundred thirty thousand no, dollars, and so you know it's ridiculous that that would even be a thing. That you know it's not right. No. Davis's attorneys asserted that their legislative victory resolves the matter. The couples did not prevail against Davis, therefore they are not entitled to demand that Davis reimburse their legal fees. Separately, Rowan County filed a response contending that the county government should never have to pay for the actions of a single county clerk. So now everybody's involved, right? So that clerk is under your yeah yeah offices, and they and honestly they're going to pass. They're going to and they they should have fired her. They should have fired her for not doing her job. And this never then then let her sue you, and you can say she didn't want to do this based on her job, which is the laws of of the land. She said she was going to do that. So then that should be the case. Get a new clerk that follows the law and that's it. Um, But, you know, it should never have happened. I don't, I'm not going to pay, go back to her and we're going to ping pong this around and no one's going to take But maybe they can't fire her because she's elected. Is that what we're talking about? Like, isn't that what the governor can't remove her or she can't be? But who is, is the governor like the top person above her and there's no law? Maybe they could do a recount, like do, or what is that called? Not a recount. Um, A recall election. Recall election. The people should have done that, right? There, there would ha- probably have to be a petition. A lot, yeah. yeah. Then by uh, May 2017, a Cincinnati federal appeals court found, because remember some, one of these cases was in Ohio, a federal appeals court found that Bunning had uh, erred in finding that damages claims, damages claims by pl- plaintiff couple David Ermold and David Moore became moot, saying, quote, the district court's characterization of this case as simply contesting the no marriage licenses policy is inaccurate because Ermold and Moore did not seek an injunction. They sought only damages, observing that the record does not prevent uh, damages claims. 
The three-judge panel granted leave for the couple to sue for damages over one marriage license. Their couple or their case was sent back to Bunning where he stated the judge, you know, the original judge, yeah. where he stated that the state of Kentucky was obligated to pay $222,000 in legal fees. The ACLU itself sued Davis to recover $233,000 in legal fees, but the motion was denied. The organization was not a, quote, prevailing party in the legal action. By February oh, 2019, goodness. Governor Bevin formally rejected the idea of Kentucky bearing the $222,000 financial responsibility, insisting the amount should be paid by Kim Davis alone. Quote, only Davis refused to comply with the law, Bevin stated. Through his attorneys, insisting taxpayers, quote, should not have to collectively bear the financial responsibility of Davis's intransigence. Well, this is, this is crap. I know. Bunning ordered that the state of Kentucky pay her legal fees, writing that, quote, Davis represented the Commonwealth of Kentucky when she refused to issue marriage licenses to legally eligible couples. The buck stops there, end quote. Local reporting acknowledged that Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin, um, Bevins had previously backed her refusal to issue same-sex marriage licenses. He was the one that was elected, like, after right, this t- right. started, the Republican on August 23rd, 2019, the U.S. Sixth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals in Cincinnati upheld Bunning's decision ordering Kentucky to pay the $225,000 legal bill, bill for the Kim Davis uh, case. I go into a thing where she met the Pope and he, in some point, like in, like in 2015 and when he was visiting D.C. And it's not that, I mean, it's part of the deal, but it's not big to go into. But anyway, he then afterwards, people start calling this out like this is bullshit and his office was like, oh, well, he's not aware of what particular people. He met a lot of people and he wasn't. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Although somebody said he offered her like to stay strong. Mm. Yeah. I love, I love this, this thing that, um, and we're seeing it like in our state, mm-hmm. like with our governor, um, with the with Broward, the, the current Broward sheriff. And it's yes. like, well, I don't know this guy. Yeah. It's not my, it's not my yeah. sheriff. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I just appointed him. Mess. But these 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 figures that are that when it comes to light how crappy someone is, they're like, well, I don't know who this person yeah. is. I mean, that's forty five does it. All I don't the time. think that Ron DeSantis knows his ass from his elbow. Like this guy doesn't know shit. No, he's he's really but, but one still of the he most dim witted people I've ever seen. Someone, yes. So you oh, then he knows who he is. Yeah, of course. Or why don't you do some vetting? What's that? I know. Okay, so finally, Davis uh, announced that she would run for re-election in 2018 as a Republican. Davis did not face any challengers, of course, in the Republican primary before Democrats ran in the May 2018 primary with the winner being Rowan County Assistant Property Valuation Administrator Elwood Caldwell Jr., who she beat before, Yes, whom Davis narrowly defeated in the 2014 primary. One of the Democrats uh, Caldwell defeated was David Ermold who had been denied a marriage license by Davis and then filed the suit against her. I love that so much. That would have been a good win. So Davis lost her re-election campaign, of course, on November 6, 2018, when she was defeated by Caldwell in the general election by a little over eight percentage points. I wonder what she's doing these days. Oh, God, brushing that long-ass hair. (laughs) That must take forever. So that's the story of Kim Davis. I love it. God, I remember those photos of her. Oh, my God, honey. Hey there, I'm Andre. And I'm Battle. And we're the hosts of Bros and Murder, a true crime podcast where we cover true crime cases of color. And we cover dumb cases that happen. And, and listen to also, good music. Yeah, we also oh, listen to my music bad. too. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so just subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Come hang out with us. And, you know, just be gravy. <laughs> I think if you have a, a true crime of color that you think that we should cover, drop us, drop us a yeah. line. Hit us, yeah, hit let us yeah, know. Yeah, drop us a line.
Today, I'm going to tell you the story of former U.S. Senator of North Dakota. Okay. William Wild Bill Langer. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Oh, this, is, uh, this is coming out of um, primarily a lot of this happening in the 1930s. So this is an older story. Are you I, serious? Yes, it's really, it, I, I really enjoyed it. Oh my God, let's do it. So Wild Bill, it really sums it up for this guy. Like this guy, William Langer, he's one, he's the original Teflon Don. <laughs> Nothing stuck to this guy. And uh, prior to his senatorship, he served as state attorney and later as governor for two terms uh, beginning in 1932. So he had a long political history. But when allegations of Langer's attempts to defraud the government come to light, Wild Bill fought the law. And Wild Bill won, girl. Get out of here. Girl, this is so (laughs) crazy. Um, So he's really known as um, one of like the most, everything I read was colorful. They kept saying a colorful figure. So he's Mm. a really interesting guy. So our story takes place in North Dakota. I just feel like there's like four people that live there. Like who's living in North Dakota? <laughs> yeah. And I think of the American frontier, cowboys, and, you know, G's, Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that movie with William H. Macy. Oh, forget about Who's it. He's like in his own scandal with that college admissions thing. Oh, my God. So while More Bill, his wife, though, I think, than him. Well, I think he you got think he off. knew? You do? I think he knew. I love him Shameless. so much that I feel like I, I, I want to, in my mind, I want to think he's not. I like the wife too. I did, you know, they made a mistake, but at least they, you know, she came forward and said, I really messed up, which, you know, at least she, she copped to it, but I guess so still. Um, but Wild Bill really seems like the apropos nickname for the place in the time period. You know, the old West ended what, like the 19, like around 1920 or something. And this is occurring sort of around that time and that sort of American cowboy spirit. Yeah. Right. I, it just, it just fits. But before I go into details about his alleged crime, I'm going to give you some background on this guy. And I got a lot of my information, a lot of it from, um, old New York times articles. Oh, oh um, cool. And then I got some also, you know, of course I always go to Wikimedia <laughs> or, yeah, Wikipedia. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was a Wisconsin magazine of history and this historical societies. Uh, so I just wanted to note that, but just to give you a sense of his reputation, according to the U S Senate website, mm-hmm. wild bill was tempestuous, swashbuckling and thoroughly unpredictable in his actions and attitudes. So this is coming from like when they talk about the senators on that page, like they detail, like this is what he was known for. And an article from the Inforum by Eric Moen pointed to a quote about Langer that noted he was quote, stripped of the quality of fear, indomitable, relentless, showing no quarter and permitting no perversion of the law. But as we'll see, he did pervert the law a bit Um, and in fact, like throughout his career, he, I think was arrested 16 different times. Oh my gosh. Like he, he's just wild bill girl. (laughs) He is a wild. So from his political beginnings as state attorney general, Langer found himself clashing with allies. So he was, was part of, uh, this nonpartisan league, Mm. this political party. Um, later on he was Republican, but it, it didn't matter like who he, what party he belonged to. Okay. He's like, just because I'm in this party doesn't mean I'm going to do what you want me to do. He was that kind of guy. Like, you know, no one really knew 
right. what he was going to do. And that was the reputation. Um, I like that. So he was elected in 1916 um, as state attorney as this nonpartisan league. And the nonpartisan league was a political party that focused on the needs of farmers and workers against big business, mm. which, and it makes sense. Like we're dealing with farm country. And if you're thinking about the time period of, you know, this is prior to the great depression. Um, and he was really like anti corporation kind of guy. And like, mm. I'm out for the farmers. I'm going to protect these guys. And that, that was his MO. Um, but he ends up fighting with the party's leader who was an Arthur Townley early on. And he served as attorney general from 1917 to 1920 and his work as attorney general. And this, I, this is really going to give you a taste of, <laughs> of him. So um, one of the things he did was he enforced prohibition because that was happening at the time. And according to Jamie Job of the Williston Herald, Langer was instrumental in the arrest of some 60 people for selling and buying booze. And it's still known as one of the largest raids in North Whoa. Dakota history. Whoa. According to Senate hearing documents, Langer uh, censured 275 schools for not displaying the American flag. Whoa. He escaped impeachment by one vote as state attorney general. He got in a fistfight in court with this guy, John Sullivan, who was a man he once ran against for office. And like he, he just, they just like got in a brawl in the middle of the court. Hot. One time he was defending Native Americans. There were four Native Americans accused of murder. Mm. And he wanted to go speak to them. And the jailer wouldn't let him in. He said, he was like, I took a train. I show up. They won't let me in. So basically he took the keys, got in a fight with the jailer, and he was like, you know, one of us was going to win. And he went in and saw his clients. Like, Dang. He's just like, he wild Bill. No bullshit. No bullshit. And I couldn't find any other support, but there was one article that allegedly said that there was a former deputy attorney attorney general who committed suicide and people blame Langer for it. Oh no. Like he was like such a terrible guy that it led this other person to kill himself. Oh my God. But I couldn't find anything else to bag that up. So that's sort of, but still it's like what in the world? Yeah. So as governor, so um, Langer is elected in uh, 1932. Again, it's his political ideology. That so, wait, so he's elected after he was almost as impeached as an attorney general. Yes. Wow. The farmer's, Right. Love okay. Him. Right. It's the voters. So it's the vote. They yeah. love him. It, it doesn't matter what he does. He is elected and elected and ele it doesn't matter. Wow. This is why I, this story, as I, as I kept going through it, I was like, <laughs> what am I reading? How, how is this happening? But <laughs> it happened. So it was, and it was his political ideology and, mm. and the language. The other thing with this guy is that he was this great, he had this oratory finesse. He was, um, trained as a lawyer and he was a skilled speaker and he knew how to use the right words to get the rural farmers and, and, and that community behind him. And he was great out of it. And, and it appealed, especially if you're in 1932, right? We're coming um, in the early days of the depression. It's the dust bowl that are, they're ravaging farms mm, in that area and yeah. farmers are hard hit. And here's this guy that's like, we need to look out for our farmers. So that was a big thing. And he put those, like the other thing um, in his obituary for the New York Times, 
um, talking about the way that he spoke, uh, they said that his speeches were of quote, roaring, desk pounding, arm waving type. Like he was just like yeah, this yeah. wild guy. Again, wild. Bill. Passionate. Yes. So um, in his speeches, he would address the plight of poor farmers against big, bad businesses who were trying to monopolize profits on the back of those workers. And he would use language like robbed, cheated. And he did some good things for farmers. He asked for a moratorium on mortgages for farmers. Wow. um, So that they wouldn't lose their farms, right? Um, He put an embargo on wheat to ensure buying power for farmers who were suffering from the effects of that Great Depression. And then he did another embargo, too, on, um, on cows. So these were things that he enforced, uh, and and again, those are things that people remembered about him. Yeah. So after all his talk about horrible businessmen and oh, no. all of this, he is accused of soliciting illegal campaign funds. Oh, boy. So during his first term as governor, Langer got money for his political organization. He was part of the NPL, the Nonpartisan League. Right. By demanding that state employees donate. Mm. Five percent of their pay <gasps> to his newspaper, The Leader, which was tied to the nonpartisan league. What and, in the hell? And you can't force your employees to uh, fill the coffers of your like oh my God. political party. This is shocking. Yeah. So he is charged with one count of conspiracy to violate federal laws, which is that he can't tax <laughs> federal employees to fund that political campaign. Yeah. And he is sentenced. So, you know, he ends up, he gets sentenced to 18 months in Dang. prison. He gets fined $10,000. Wow. And he's removed from office. So he's elected in 1932 and in 1934, he's removed from office and he's disbarred. I mean, why would he, this doesn't seem like something he would even come up with. This doesn't seem like part of, does um, it? Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. But he's yeah, for the he admit, man, no, he, like he's for, I know, but he admitted it. I know, no, no, no. I'm saying it just seems like out of character. I'm sure that he did it. I'm saying like, it just seems like for somebody who's for the worker, maybe just yeah. the farmer, but like why, it well, just seems like why would you because take in this his, money? The, in his mind, he's like, hey guys, get, get, give some money towards this. This is for a good cause. And they're like, okay, like, wow. You know, and, and it reminds me of the guy you did before who was having his workers, he was paying them extra yes. and he, they'd give him the money back. What was that yeah. guy's name? Oh. Trafficker, Trafficker. Uh, Trafficant? Trafficant. That's it. That's it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, with the tractor. Oh, Give my me God. the money out of your, oh of your paycheck. Jesus. Yes. His name is Wild Bill. So I want you to take a wild guess as to how he responds to his sentencing. Um, well, he's not going to resign, right? <laughs> wait, wait, no. wait, 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 wait. <sighs> wild Bill. Gun? Shoot up? Shoot out? Yeah. <laughs> There's not not a shootout, but it, it gets a little crazy. Okay. It gets a little crazy. And this I I love this so much. It I could not stop laughing. I don't know. I just think but before I get to the juicy bits of it, I want to look at some of the first reactions. So uh, like you said, he's not resigning. Yeah. And prior to the conviction, he pleaded his innocence and he basically said what he was doing was legal and necessary to keep the NPL successful as a party. <laughs> that was like his thing. Well, it's not legal. It's not necessary, <laughs> no. but okay. <laughs> so um, they have to do like a, a new election, right? So the lieutenant governor ends up fulfilling that governor seat and then they got to have this election, a special election. Right. So um, he's convicted, but he's still on the ballot because they were trying to get him out, mm. but he's still there on the ballot. He ends up getting elected. 
Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, without any doubt, everybody loves him. Yeah. So he's appealing his conviction, and he feels that because the conviction is an appeal, he can still have his seat, and he shouldn't be removed. Okay. Right? So in the summer of 1934, the Supreme Court had to get involved saying, dude, buddy, you got to vacate the seat. Yeah. And that lieutenant governor is is being put in. But this is wild Bill Langer. And like any cowboy, he's got he's he's going to try to tame that bunking Bracco of the law. He's like, hell no, I'm having things my way. It's my seat. Screw you. Whoa. I'm not going anywhere. And people were flooding the streets going, we want Langer. Get out we of here, want Tina. Langer. Stop it. We want Langer. Wow. Wow. So, what does I, he do? I, I don't know. I just think about people flooding the streets. What yes. would people flood the streets with for today? Ugh. No cable? No Netflix? Right. Where? Give me my Netflix? <laughs> Motherfuckers. So he does what anyone would do. He declares martial law. Oh, he barricades himself in the governor's mansion. Oh my God, Tina, my thing, my, in my head, I was going to say to you, he stayed in his office and would not leave his office. He orders troops to surround the Capitol. Holy shit. And here's the best part. Tina. He drew up a declaration of independence for North Dakota and attempted to secede from the nation. Yes. (laughs) He attempted to secede from the nation. This is my favorite thing that's ever happened. So he somehow believed that if he seceded, right? That he could offset the federal charges because it was federal charges oh against him. So if God. we're not part, you can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> I know. If we're not part of the federal government, then hey, this those charges favorite. are going to stick. This is my favorite. Twenty six people signed this declaration. Oh my God! Oh my and so God. basically, the state supreme court had to show up and talk him off the ledge, saying, "Dude, like, like." The power, the ego, everything that's in his head. This is the most unimaginable thing I've ever heard. It's so good. So, um, he's by the way, wait, 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 wait. Listen to me very carefully because November is coming. I know. Listen, this is my, this is my fear. And if this is my fear, fake news, it's been rigged, martial law and and the military, military, don't go along with him. Yeah. Because that's how Wild Bill lost the military. He didn't have the military backing. Yeah. So we got to be very careful here. Yes. That's, I just got, when you said this, it's like, I, I know. about like, okay, who's elected? DeSantis I is know. too dumb to Oh, to please. But like, no, oh, 40, Trump. 45 is, yeah. is already laying the groundwork for it. Give yeah. me a break. So we got to be very. And with Corona. Mm. Okay. Oh, All God. right. Go oh, ahead. God. Sorry. Oh, God. Okay. <sighs> I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. Oh. So luckily this guy finally relinquishes his position. But he still tried to have power. So even out of office, he tries to get senators who were on his side to oust the lieutenant governor who's taking over his seat. Like he's so pissed off about it that he is still trying to to, to get in the way. But he keeps fighting the charges. So and to be fair and to play devil's advocate here, that um, the people that were going after him, the judges were political opponents as well. Mm. So so he often was like, this is people are coming right. after me because they just don't like me and, and all of this. And in 1935, he manages to get acquitted of all the charges. Wow. So he decided to run again. Oh, no. He got elected. And in 1936, <gasps> he was reelected as governor. Oh, my God. He served until 1941 <gasps> when wow. he ran for Senate and won. Oh. <gasps> This is unbelievable. Listen, uh, listen. Are you fucking kidding me right <laughs> no. now? Tina, so stop. So he would use 
these events to propel him further into the political arena, right? I mean, he's always claiming to be the victim of relentless attacks, which sounds very familiar to today. Everybody's against me, right? So as but the a son, people are voting for they him. vote. That's see, this is the other thing. They vote. Yeah. It's not like he's just putting himself there. No. And, but when, and when he wins, he wins. Yeah, I believe it. Like this isn't like, you know, that the people got to recount votes here. Like, see, he that's wins. why politics is it's it's less about policy and like where you stand morally or whatever and more about the presentation of it all. Yeah. And who the you drama, yes. the drama, the image, the way you it's, the way your tone of speaking, all, all of that is even more important than where you stand on issues. Right. If you can convey some bullshit in a convincing way, then you can yes. win anything. I mean, Hulk Obama was a fantastic, yes. you know, eloquent. He, the way he his speeches were were written in a way where he could just oh. give you, he, he and, moved and you in a positive yes, way. The, the empathy. Yes. The, and Clinton yes. was the same way. You got to have those skills. You got to have those skills. Um, so but, as but, some, but also, sorry, yes, Tina, no, I'm no, sorry. No, 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 no. But Trump has it too. Trump has that too. Yes. Maybe not to maybe not to people who listen who have our ears. No. But to the because people to me, who are listening to him are people who they're moved by his speeches. They believe in the things he's saying. They agree with what he's saying. He is he is just like them in those ways. Yeah. Well and to me it comes off as so uneducated. Yeah. And and But there's people who so think Obama stupid. wasn't a great speaker or Clinton wasn't a great speaker. You know, there's people who yes. it's it's also what they're saying, but it's the way yeah. that they're saying it. Yeah, they are definitely uh, in love with with that, yeah. No nonsense, calling out the BS. And meanwhile, it's all Ugh. nonsense, and it's, it's all BS. BS. <laughs> I know it's it's wild. Okay, sorry. So, um, according to a 1961 article by Larson, Langer's opponents. So he gets elected to the Senate, but they don't want him seated as senator. His opponents, and so throughout his 1940 Senate bid, they called him a paragon of corruption, mm. an unscrupulous demagogue who used the cloak of progressivism and reform to enrich himself at the public trial. Wow. Ooh. Girl, you know you like those words. I Look know. You. You're so excited. They, oh. <laughs> so those who opposed him were determined to stop him despite the election results, and they showed up to the Senate with a petition, which led the Senate Investigation Committee to examine evidence, and they called on Langer to testify as well. And during some of the testimony, Langer admitted to paying the son of the judge who presided over two of his trials where he got in, exonerated as governor way back. Oh. So he, he, he does that. They also alleged that he received kickbacks and leased property for his own gain and these other things. The committee recommends no way. Guys, we can't, we can't seat Langer, right? It was a 13 to 3 tally um, of this, of this uh, committee. But... Most of the Senate decides not to listen to the recommendation and they vote to seat, seat the guy because, oh. you know, why not? Why not? 52 to 30 vote to wow. seat him. Wow. So then in 1951, he ends up in trouble again. Oh, my God. Uh, but this too went nowhere. <laughs> I mean, this is a thing. It went nowhere. A volunteer committee made up of senators who disliked Langer petitioned that Langer not be seated. Um, again, after another election. And according to a New York Times article by William Blair, the committee claimed that Langer was not a fit and proper person to sit as a U.S. senator and that he would be inimical and dangerous to the safety and welfare of the United States. Whoa. So 
this is coming off of this idea that 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 Langer basically they think that he's going to obstruct everything. Yeah. And it comes from a response because Langer told then President Eisenhower, like on the Senate floor, he says, basically, look, every person the Senate puts forward for any position, I'm voting down. The end. That's what he says. I don't care what who you put up. I'm going to vote against it. And they're like, what are you doing? So that was one of the reasons they're like, this guy isn't. And in the 50s, what party was he in? Republican. Okay. So um, basically he's like F off everybody like, you know, and, and so it's crazy. It's not right. But again, he's, he's, he's wild Bill, but he's spoiled Bill. But yeah, well, I mean, he can't be surprised. I mean, first of all, don't be surprised when you, when you're treating him like this, that he's going to act this way, but he shouldn't be surprised by the way he's being treated because of the way he acted. (laughs) I know. So the fucking chicken and the egg. I know. And the thing is, the reason he said that is he held a grudge for a year. Because there was someone that he wanted to be appointed as a circuit court judge that mm. didn't get the appointment. So he's like, guess what? I'm not going to, I'm going to vote down everyone you put up then. Oh my this God. Was him. So, you know, but guess what? I mean, he won his Senate seat three additional times. And it's, this is that complexity that we talk about. Like, here's this guy that he supposedly is doing all this great work for, right? you know, farmers, but there's this moral failing and he just, and the people love him. And so just to give some points of interest, um, when he graduated law school, he graduated law school at 19, but which is very young. Yeah. Um, but he couldn't practice law until 21. That was like the law of his state. And so he had some time to kill. So he went to Columbia University for an additional degree. And while he was there, he, as a freshman, he and a bunch of other freshmen get into a brawl a bunch of sophomores at a yacht club and they like trashed the place. So in the end, his oratory skills were so good that the sophomores were ordered to pay all the damages. Oh my God. Yeah. They go before a committee and he's like, I got this guys. And he gives the spiel and the, the, the freshman group like have no blame and the sophomores have to like foot the bill. Wow. Which I thought was interesting. Um, His daughter in a Grand Forks Herald article uh, written about when she was 85 years old she talked about the unique experiences of living in the governor's mansion and with her dad. And she talked about how her dad uh, would sometimes have uh, prisoners from the local penitentiary as her driver, like driving her to school. Oh my, what? I know. I don't know what that was about. I just thought it was a fun fact. <laughs> that is um, a fun fact. So uh, when he was trying to clear up his name, they had this other election and he couldn't run because uh, of the conviction. So his wife ran and lost to this guy, Thomas Moody. It was just this other way of him trying to hold on to power. Yeah. But the thing that I found interesting is that in a six-month period, uh, they had uh, four different governors, right? So there was Langer, and then Langer has those uh, charges. Then Ole Olson, who's the lieutenant governor, has okay. to step in. Um, then they have this election, and Thomas Moody uh, ends up... Uh, taking office he has to step down one month later because he didn't meet the residency requirement you had to like live in the state five years oh my god and then this walter welford uh ends up uh holding the seat but then langer is allowed to run again and then he wins so in six months they go imagine having four governors that's wild six months that's wild it's crazy and um the other thing i thought just to show how much people loved langer is that Despite never making a campaign appearance and being very <laughs> ill, 
in his last uh, Senate election, uh-huh. he won every single county in the state. Wow. He And the story goes, he ref- his wife was dying and he refused to leave her side. Oh, my so God. So he stayed in Washington and never showed up to his state. To stump. It's so it's such and, an interesting story because, you know, we, all these people are against him, right? Like they yeah, are. Yes. I mean, he's not that great. But yeah, the it's, people, but the people. So that's the will of the people, yes. right? Like as much as he didn't you know, show up at all and yeah. he won every county. But always, like was always winning. Like, yeah. That's such, that's it's, so amazing. It's, it's crazy. The other thing is he spent most of his career as an isolationist. So he was one of those guys that felt like it was the U.S. best interest to stay out of other countries' business. Mm. And like that was his philosophy. Okay. He once filibustered for over 30 hours. <laughs> and this was one thing that I thought was interesting is as a senator, he, uh, he often had support of Democrats in elections because he would vote with them. And after winning another Senate primary, he said... Quote, I vote for a good bill and against a bad bill, regardless of who sponsors it. So in his home state, too, like Pete, that was another reason why he would get sort of both sides mm-hmm. voting for him. And then I just wanted to close with one last quote from Langer that sums up his perspective. And he says, the way I see it, the more hell you raise, the sooner they'll come to understand the situation. Oh, shit. Dang. Dang, Wild Bill. I love that quote. Isn't that a good quote? Yeah. The more hell you raise, the sooner they'll come to understand the situation. Yes. Yes. And that's the story of Wild Bill Langer, senator, isolationist, and grandstander. It's just as interesting because he did some bad stuff, but I kind of like him. I like I him know. too. There's I a like thing that I quote. like about him. And the other thing I thought was, uh, they said he was always chewing on cigars. Ugh. But he would, in the cellophane. He would Ugh. still have it in the cell, never light it, and just chew on it. That was like his thing. Like that, people would know him because he's sitting there chewing on this cigar. See, I think people it's do so stuff weird. like that. Yeah, they do stuff like that, so people would be like, "Oh, this guy's nuts." Yeah, you know, you don't know what he's gonna do. Yeah, I mean, everything I read about him, he is just—I don't know—he goes his own way. Yeah, and, but I mean, the fact that he <laughs> drew up a declaration of independence and, and tried to pull a state <laughs> out of the union. It's the greatest. It's, that is amazing. Can you, like, who? I don't, I feel like we're never too far off from that ever happening anywhere here. Well, you know, I don't know. It was a, it was a fun, I, I was looking up something else and I came across him and I was like, I got to do this. It's yes. just a kooky. That's fantastic. Little Great. piece of history. So oh, I love it. Good one. Hey. <laughs> All oh. right. Well, that's it. We have a lot of really good things coming up. I'm so excited about for the podcast. Yes, um, me too. So look out for some from some new change, some new things, some changes, but they're good changes and uh, yes. additional things that we can that we can do. And um, I want to give a shout out to our Patreon uh, yes. people because we've gotten some new Patreon people. So who do we have so far? So we have my friend Jordan. Um, who else? We have Nathan. Oh, Barefoot Lobo. Barefoot Lobo (laughs) is the greatest fan. Yes. Of all time. Yeah. Oh my God. And and he lives near us. So I'm so excited to like meet him at some point. Yes. Post quarantine. Yeah. But we might be too famous for that right now. Like we (laughs) can't meet fans. We're too famous for, to meet with our fans right now. But we can always meet with Barefoot Lobo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe you can run over to our house. (laughs) (laughs) He's a big runner. Yes. Um, uh, Emma. Yes. Emma. Yep. Yep. She's our newest Patreon. That's right. And we have Sally. 
Sally, yes, yeah, Sally. Sally. And your friend, Medea. Yeah. <laughs> I love Medea. Yeah. She's the best. So if you uh, would love to support us, we would love to have you give us some money. In <laughs> <laughs> so many words, it helps keep yes. everything going and um, and move this forward. But we have a lot of really great things coming up. And I just, you know, it's now 21 episodes. We're kind of getting close to like half yeah. a year of episodes. And yeah, uh, I'm excited. Me too. It's definitely one of the best things in my life. So thank you for doing this with me. Oh, same. <laughs> and happy Mother's Day to you. Same to you. And uh, anybody out there, I know it's two weeks late, but happy Mother's Day. I hope you're doing nothing. Yes. Yeah, or did nothing. Yeah, did nothing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, we will see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.